This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Live from the Toolkit Depot studio, Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. For Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival. A grand utility vehicle. Great to have your company. Thanks, Hazen Mardo, back on the run home tomorrow afternoon between 3 and 5. Welcome to Sports Day, wherever you may be listening on this Thursday. The month of November fast coming to a close. You may be listening on 657 SEN. Also on SEN Spirit 621 in Bunbury in the southwest. In the gold fields at 1611, uh, DAB Plus Radio, SEN Peel or SEN WA on the SEN app. Great to have you on board. Uh, the temperate bedshed text machine is there for you to get involved with the program. 0487 736 736. Bedsheds, of course, are the experts in temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases. And you can check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. We're going to focus on the World Cup shortly and we'll also speak to interim chairperson of the West Australian Cricket Association and find out what the hell is going on at board level and what are the expectations of the first test that gets underway next Wednesday at Optus Oval. Avril Faye is going to join us for a chat a little bit later in the program. But one of the big events today is the Australian PGA Golf in Brisbane. It got me thinking, actually. Fans flocked to see Queenslander and live golf star Cameron Smith go around. Now, he teed off at 6 o'clock this morning local time, and there were hundreds, literally hundreds on course to watch him. Also going around was, of course, Queensland favourite in Adam Scott. But the world number two hasn't been home to play in three years because of the COVID situation. And Cam Smith... Number two in the world has rocked into hometown Brisbane and they've come out in massive numbers. It got me thinking, actually, and I've done this a little while back. All of a sudden, you think that Cameron Smith and what he's achieved in sport of golf has propelled him to be now one of the most recognisable and respected figures in Australian sport. And when you look at it, if you had to look at the three, the top three most recognisable, respected and certainly successful sports people to come out of this country right now and they're still plying their trade, who would they be, in your opinion? Cam Smith would be there, there's no question, from golf. Samantha Kerr would be there because of what she's done on the world stage with the Matildas and, of course, playing in the English Premier League women's competition with Chelsea. Daniel Ricciardo is always in the news and, of course, is so active when it comes to social media. It's not a day goes by when you don't see him on Instagram or posting something socially, but he's still 
in the hurly-burly world of Formula One, even though his career has stalled just a fraction. And, of course, next season will be the reserve driver for Red Bull. So if you had to look at 3-2-1 of the, at the moment, they are certainly playing their trade in sport. How would it sit? And I've uh, mentioned three. You can object to my three. You can throw your own in. Love to hear from you. 0487 736 736. Shortly we'll speak to a man that played over 539. In fact, that's exactly the amount of appearances he played in English professional football. He scored the most important goal for the Aston Villa Football Club in the 1982 European Cup final. He was in England's 1982 World Cup squad. And the reason I've got Peter Withon, who played 182 games with Aston Villa, one of the big clubs in the UK, is that England are about to go on show again. Saturday morning, our time at 3 o'clock in the morning, they will play the United States of America in their second group match. And all of a sudden, a lot of people are getting excited about England's chances. The only World Cup they have won was back on home soil in 1966, could this be the World Cup where that incredible drought is finally broken? By the way, if you didn't catch the news overnight, these were the scores. Morocco nil, Croatia nil. The match that myself and Richard Garcia broadcast last night for the SEN Network. It was a classic, actually. Germany won, Japan 2. The Japanese coming from behind and scoring two sensational goals in the final quarter hour of that match. Spain, seven. Costa Rica, nil. The Spanish certainly uh, have started the tournament in a fine fashion. Richard Garcia, who's got Spanish heritage, when I dropped him off last night around midnight after our coverage, so I said, what are you going to be doing? He says, I'm just going to watch a bit of the Spain match. I reckon he would have watched the whole lot because uh, Spain were just so dominant last night. And Belgium took on Canada and beat them by one goal to nil. It was the Canadians' first appearance at a FIFA World Cup since 1986. So that's what's happened with the uh, World Cup. And uh, as I said, shortly, hopefully, we'll be speaking to Peter With, who is, as I said, uh, an outstanding uh, representative for England and now resides here in Perth, Western Australia. He's been here for a little while. Just updating what's happened in the cricket, uh, in the Sheffield Shield, a win for Western Australia. I heard the boys on the run home speak to Corey, uh, Corey Roccacioli, uh, who did well, picked up eight wickets in the match. He took four for 31 in the first innings. And four for 53 in the second innings. WA winning by 133 runs at the match scores. WA 233 and 127. New South Wales 93 and 134. We'll endeavour to get Peter with. We're just having a little problem uh, tracking him down. We'll take a quick break. And on the other side of the break, we'll speak to the World Cup star and former England international here on Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. Sports Day with Peter Vlahos for Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. Sports Day with Peter Vlahos for Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. Don't change for you. Don't change for 
Uh, big night for the Perth Wildcats uh, tonight. If you're intending and you're a loose end and you'd like to go to H uh, or RAC Arena, then get behind the Wildcats uh, this season. You can head to tickertech.com.au and pick up your ticket. Now, great to hear Dawn Gleeson, the uh, wife of former Wildcats coach Trevor Gleeson on the run home. Of course, uh, a special night tonight. Everybody's going to be dressed in pink for the Breast Cancer Care Charity. So... Uh, Enjoy it tonight, and all the funds go to a great cause. Let's talk about the big sporting event currently that uh, is everybody's talking about right around the planet. Uh, the World Cup is certainly up and running at Qatar. I know there's been a lot of issues away from the football pitch. As far as we're concerned, we concentrate on what is happening on the football pitch. And everybody following the three Lions is getting a little bit excited after their first group match. They beat Iran by six goals to two. Their next outing is Saturday morning, three o'clock our time, when they take on the United States of America. A man that follows English football very closely. After all, he played over 500 matches in England and, of course, represented his country with distinction and was in the 1982 World Cup squad. I believe I've got him off the golf course because he loves his golf these days. Peter With, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Peter. How are we? Very well. Did you hit him straight today? No, I wasn't playing. I was just making sure the people uh, adhered to the rules. So I was <laughs> doing the old uh, marshal, making sure they done the rules uh, right. Beautifully done. Beautifully done. Uh, I know you love your golf, but of course, your deep passion has always been football. Uh, I know we caught up at the Woodvale Tavern and had a little bit of a panel show before England's first outing against Iran. And I think nobody in their right mind would have expected uh, England to score six goals that night. What does that say about the team? And what does it do for the combination ahead of their second group game now against the United States? Well, I think that the way that they actually went about the, uh, the game and certainly the way that they played, and you're right, I don't think people just thought, because I, I predicted it was going to be 3-1, so for them to get 6-2 and double the score that I predicted was a was tremendous. It just shows you the depth of players that he has got in his squad, you know, with Saka in the team, and I think that the way that they... They went. You you can always come unstuck, and you only have to look at Germany, and you only have to look at Argentina. That if you don't go out with the right attitude, then in this competition you can come unstuck. And England went about it in the right way, um, conceded two goals. But when you can consider that you scored six, that was a tremendous achievement. I felt. You mentioned about a couple of the young players like Saka and Co, who uh, is a revelation, there's no question. There seems to be a nice blend of youth and experience in England, but also there's a bit of speed there up front, isn't there? Well, there is, because if you look at the two wide players and you look at Sterling and you look at uh, Saka, they've got a bit of pace about them. They, you know, they're, they're good on the ball dribbling with the ball and of course the pace once you get it over the top of the uh, defenders then their pace certainly comes into play and uh, what happens is with that situation the teams that play against them 
will, will end up dropping deeper and deeper because they're frightened of balls over the top and then beating them for pace. Um, and then what you can do and what England uh, have done very well is they close people down in their half of the pitch and put them under pressure. Well, we haven't seen Brazil yet. Of course, they're still to play. Their first match is against Serbia at uh, 3 o'clock tomorrow morning. So we'll see Brazil for the first time. We'll see Portugal for the first time. We've seen Argentina and we've seen Germany. So, And they've both been beaten after going in front through penalties. So even though it's very early in the tournament, should the English supporters feel pretty buoyed about their chances in Qatar? Oh, I would think so. I would think that, you know, uh, when you look at them other teams, and this is what supporters will look at, they'll look at some of the, you know, like Argentina's reputed to be one of the favourites, Germany reputed to be one of the favourites, and then all of a sudden them come unstuck. Um, and then, you know, you're a bit buoyant about that because you're thinking to yourself, well, really, if you lose your first game, you've actually got to go out and, and win your next two to be perfectly honest. So I think that the pressure will, will be building on them sort of teams. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they go about their second games. I think that the USA, um, they will sort of come out with regards to trying to uh, win the game, of course. And will that play into the strengths of uh, the England team with regards to, as we've talked about, about the pace that they've got? And it'll be interesting also to see if he, if he changes the tactics or if he changes the formation of the team. Because you normally, you know, I played under a, a guy called Brian Clough. And if he had a winning team, it's very rare that he changed that winning team. So it'll be interesting to see if Karasalke decides that, OK, for this match, maybe we need to change things. Uh, you're taking me on a bit of a tangent here. A lot has been said about Brian Clough, the late Brian Clough, who was a manager like no other, really. Can you give us a bit of an insight whether he could still manage in 2022 or was he one of those managers for that generation? No. It's, it's a bit, you know, when people say that about managers, and I think that Brian Clough is one of them unique managers that I played under, and Ron Saunders was of a similar ilk. With regards to them coaching at this level, they would not change anything, really. I mean, I see, someone showed me a quote the other day that Brian Clough made, and I know he had lots of quotes, and it was like, um, well, this team looked good on paper. And Brian Clough says, it's a pity because we play on grass. <laughs> so, so these are the sort of quotes that he sort of has. And he, the other one that he used to do was uh, very good was he, someone asked him a question, well, do you take information in from your team and your, and your players? And he said, yes, we sit down and we all discuss it and I listen to what that information and then we realise that I was right and they'll do what I tell them. <laughs> so he was, he he was such a character. He was, and I think that he's, um, you know, for what he achieved at provincial teams, if you look, winning the championship at Derby County, winning the championship at Nottingham Forest, winning the European Cup twice at Nottingham Forest with provincial teams, and no, none of the big boys. The sad thing about it, 
You know, the, the saddest thing, he should have got the England job. He should have been England manager. And we wouldn't have had to wait since 1966 to win another trophy because he was renowned for getting teams. And it wouldn't matter to him if you were 16 years old or 40 years old. If you were doing it, you would be in the team. That's as simple as what he used to, his philosophy was. Yeah, very entertaining, Peter. I really enjoyed actually a bit of a, yeah, a character reference there on Brian Clough, uh, the man that he was, because he, he does go down in English folklore as one of the all-time great managers, as you said, that never took charge of his home country. Saying that, you played in a World Cup 40 years ago, 1982, and we're seeing the event now in, in different surrounds in Qatar. But when it comes to the players... A World Cup is a World Cup on the pitch, isn't it? And the glory is there to try and uh, gain. So regardless of what's happening outside the stadiums, the most important thing is what's happening inside. Well, I think the, 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 you're, you're right. The most important thing is what's happening on the football field. You, as a squad of players, should be... 100% just concentrating on the game of football and getting the results that are required for you to progress in this competition. Everyone wants to win a World Cup. And unfortunately, there's some teams, um, you know, we're not gonna, it's not going to happen to. But when you look at this tournament and you look at some of the teams that you think, oh, well, that'll be a, a little bit of a walk over for them. I mean, you only have to look at Belgium playing Canada. Everyone would say, oh, and I predicted that Belgium would go through to the finals because of mm. the, the side. And yet, when you look at that game, they were very fortunate to get through that game. So, you know, you, you concentrate 100% on your football. And as a manager, as a coach, uh, you get them players to just focus on one thing. And the, the focus is, is you've been selected for this tournament. Give it your all and play to the highest of your standards and the highest of your capabilities because we want to progress as far as what we possibly can. Pete, final question before we let you get back to the 19th there at the golf club. Uh, can I ask you your thoughts <laughs> on the Australians? Uh, they were beaten 4-1 by clearly a, a more professional and certainly better combination. Did, can Australia take anything out of that game as they look ahead now to Saturday night against Tunisia? Well, I think that's really, you know, when you're playing against France and you're playing against a side that have the sort of quality that they have and all the players playing in the, in anywhere in Europe, then you are, you, you've got your backs against the wall, really. I think that the most important thing is for them is to, what you try to do as a coach and as a manager is that you try to put that at the back of your you know, and just say, right, that's we've got that one, and unfortunately, we lost the game. We've got to concentrate on the next game. And I think what they should should be doing is thinking to themselves, yeah, we've got a chance. We're playing against Tunisia. Um, you know, so we need to just go out and try and win the game. And I think that that is the important thing for them is to try and get a result. Because what, you what you're trying to do is you're trying to bounce back from sort of situations like that. Mm. And all these can take heart. They can take heart with realising that, hang on a minute, what happened to Germany? You know, what happened to Argentina? And that's, you've got to look at that and think to yourself, there can be upsets in, the, in this game. And 
I think Australia have got to concentrate on that and figure to themselves, right, next game, let's go out, let's go and win the game. Good on you, Peter. Lovely chatting to you, mate. Thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. You are certainly in your time an outstanding footballer and uh, you've still got a deep passion for the game, even though you live in the down un- uh, land down under these days and I know you're enjoying your lifestyle down here in Perth, Western Australia as well. We'll keep in touch and thanks for your time this afternoon. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Peter. Cheers. Good on you. Peter with uh, joining us, uh, star striker for Aston Villa in his time. As I said, scored Aston Villa's most important goal in the club's history. 1982 European Cup final, now known as the Champions League, the European Cup Champions League final. He scored the goal that made Aston Villa the uh, top team in Europe. All right, uh, we're about to go to Tab Touch now, and he does it every morning, I guess. Get on, on social media and I see David Short from Tab Touch giving his uh, thoughts on the upcoming World Cup matches. Shorty's going to join us uh, in just a moment. But let's just uh, quickly update what's happened in sport for our friends at Tyre Power. Of course, Tyre Power have got this uh, great offer on at the moment where you buy three and get one free on selected Falcon all-terrain tyres at your local Tyre Power store. Just repeating, Sheffield Shield, Western Australia victorious. They beat New South Wales by 133 runs and sit nice and pretty and undefeated at the top of the Sheffield Shield competition. Uh, The Australian PGA uh, got underway in Brisbane today and fans flocked to see Queensland uh, and L Live Golf star Cameron Smith do his business. He teed off at 6am this morning and there were hundreds watching the world number two. And in the World Cup overnight, it was Morocco and Croatia with the goalless draw. Japan beat Germany 2-1, a 7-0 demolition by Spain of Costa Rica and Belgium, just that one goal win over Canada. As I said, he's been very busy during the World Cup on Tab Touch. You can see uh, his forecast and the latest markets uh, on social media very early every morning. We're talking about David Short, who's burning the midnight oil. Shorty, a very good afternoon to you. I'm no orphan, Pete. I was tuned into your very, very slick work there last night uh, on (laughs) SEN, calling the big game between Japan and Germany, and you were all over it. It's almost like you had a crystal ball. Uh, You were just predicting that, uh, look, this game's not over, and lo and behold, Japan, with an absolute flurry late in the piece, came home all over the top of Germany to win 2-1. Well, thanks for listening, Shorty, because it's pretty late and I'll be heading in again a bit later this evening to do Uruguay and South Korea. And you've got the markets uh, for the games coming up overnight on Tab Touch. I have indeed. Yeah, the first game, only half an hour will go away uh, roughly from now. Switzerland, Cameroon. Switzerland heading 172. The draw 350. Cameroon 520. Uruguay, South Korea. They're our very own Peter Vlahos calling all of the action there. $1.70 Uruguay. The draw 355. South Korea 525. The midnight game, Portugal 132. They've been poleaxed in betting here. A stack of money for them. They're in all of the multis. Uh, the draw 520. Ghana at 950. And the final game sees Brazil $1.42. The draw 450 in Serbia 750. Pete, I can't wait for that late game. Brazil, with a couple of the real tournament heavyweights making a statement early, namely England and then Spain overnight, I'll be really interested to see what Brazil bring to the table uh, later on into tomorrow morning.
Yeah, it will be a good game because I reckon Bobby Despotovsky's favourite uh, nation, Serbia, will do okay as well in this tournament. Uh, tonight, a very big night. 6.30 tip-off. It's Perth Wildcats against the Adelaide 36ers. Uh, of course, it's the Breast Cancer Care Night. Everybody's going to be dressed in pink. Can the Wildcats get it done, Shorty? And what's the market for the NBL tonight? Yeah, they can, Pete. The money's been really strong over the last hour or so. 152 into 148, the Wildcats. 36 is out to 263 from 255. That line's gone out from four and a half to five. So all the money for the Wildcats to win and win well tonight. There go the Cats. Shorty, uh, I was uh, looking and listening to the Racers WA podcast and Lockie Taylor said that he felt uh, the tradition was with the railway stakes, but when it came to the pinnacles, it's the winter bottom stakes that is WA's best race. Do you agree with him? And speaking about the winter bottom, of course, it's day three of the pinnacles on Saturday. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with him. I love the railway stakes personally, but that's no knock on Lockie. We've all got our favourites in life, and he's a winter bottom man. I'm a railway man. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> Rockfire, heads up betting, yeah, heading into the winter bottom. 460 out to 480. Valana, six and firm. Elite Street, six and firm. This will test has been back at long odds. 15 into 10. Falili, nine to 11. Miss Contiki, 11 and firm. And the astrologist is there as a $12 chance. Cracking edition of the winter bottom. Really looking forward to it. A couple of other listed races there. There in the Serenus Lestia Santorio, 275 heads up betting in front of all the King's men and Vampire play. And in the listed scale cup, it's pure devotion at 215, a very popular favourite with William Pike aboard. And as we let you go, you've got all the latest markets on the World Cup, courtesy of Tab Touch. How can people access it, Shorty? Uh, they can head to tabtouch.com.au, but if they are doing so, be sure to do it responsibly. If you like a punt on the World Cup soccer as well, I've been putting up my multis each and every day there under the Tab Touch exclusives bet with Shorty. Same as we did with the footy throughout the course of the season. Keep an eye out for those if you like a bet on the World Cup soccer. Good man. Thanks, David Short, and we'll keep in touch. Cheers, Pete. Those with the touch, choose Tab Touch, better your bet, and download Tab Touch today. As Shorty says, gamble responsibly and call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858 if you need any assistance or someone to talk to. Speaking of talking to people, we'll speak to the interim chairperson of the West Australian Cricket Association on the other side of the break. Avril Fay joins us here on Sports Day. Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. The Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. The Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. Wherever you may be around this great state of ours, great to have you on board. This is Sports Day. It is a Thursday night, 27 to 6. Look forward to speaking to our next special guest because when it came to sport, there was none better playing WA cricket than this individual. Played, I think, over 150 domestic limited overs matches uh, and also played T20s for the Western Fury. Played six test matches, about 40 ODIs for Australia. Fair player, and uh, I reckon cricket 
is still in her DNA because currently she's the interim chair at the West Australian Cricket Association. We're talking about Avril Fay. Joins us on the program now. Avril, a very good evening to you. Hi, Peter. How are you? I'm very well. Gee, I love this sport. I just went through your career statistics. I could go on for ages. But uh, you played cricket for about 20 years, didn't you, at, uh, for WA? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I played for, for 20 seasons for WA. Um, and in that time, um, you know, the game has really changed. And since I retired about 10 years ago, it, it's even accelerated since then. It has changed significantly, hasn't it? When you look at the WBBL, and I suppose we'll start with that. You know, the Perth Scorchers have been the benchmark in the WBBL competition, but unfortunately, this season it wasn't to be for us. Uh, we've just missed out on the finals. Yeah, I think, um, we were quite disappointed with the with the outcome of the season. Um, I think it's fair to say that we've got a lot of talent in our side, and um, you know, hearing. Uh, the, the uh, skipper Sophie Devine and the coach Shelley Nitschke talk about the season. You know they never played the perfect game, and and I think um, if you if you're not not playing well, uh, you're going to miss out on on the chocolates. It's interesting because I worked with Nat Medhurst on Saturday morning on a program here at SENWA. Of course, Nat's doing a bit of work at the WACA and she went over to Melbourne last week for a few days just to familiarise herself with the setup with the uh, Perth Scorchers and the WBBL. And she came back very impressed. It's a pretty good organisation and it's a good team and, and no doubt the players um, play for each other. But as you know with cricket, you just need an ounce of luck and maybe that wasn't there for the Scorchers this season. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, the, the weekend, with the results are quite disappointing. We played the two um, Melbourne sides who hadn't hadn't had a great season, and, and we went down to both of them. Um, I think uh, you know last season we played really well. We we won the clutch games, um, and yeah, this year we just couldn't put the the results on the park. Um, and I think you know the, the culture in the Scorchers, it's the same for the men and and the women. Um, we're really proud of the players that we have playing for us. Um, you know, uh, we've always had a, a WA first sort of attitude in, in lots of ways, and I think it's reached the reward with all the trophies we've been able to win on both the men and women. Another win for the WA Sheffield Shield team. They are just going gangbusters at the moment, aren't they? Undefeated, top of the shield, and really doing it uh, very well at the moment. Oh, yeah. Today, unfortunately, I've got a bit of a cold, so I was at home in bed today, which was brilliant. I, I got to watch quite a bit of <laughs> uh, the Shield match, um, the, the, and yeah, I just some of the some of the bowling today was outstanding. Um, you know, really tough wicket to bat on. Um, I think our openers on day one had got the best of the conditions, and, and they reaped the rewards. And you know, we've we've played five matches, we've won four of them. Uh, the players are on their way home today. I think for to have a couple of days off before they have head up to Queensland. Um, Queensland are second on the ladder and um, yeah I'm just really looking forward to the team continuing to perform because you know we've got some we've got some real talent in that group um, and I think it's also fair to say you know we, we probably didn't have our best side there either because we had three players playing against the West Indies and the Prime Minister 11 match. Yeah, yeah, Aaron Hardy and co were playing there. No, they, they're doing really well. And Corey Roccaccioli actually was on the program just before mine. Uh, the run home with Damian Martin and Paul Hazelby, of course, took eight wickets for the match. And he's one of the rising stars you're talking about. I'll come back to the Test match and the BBL in a moment. I'll just throw you a couple of the, the more, not difficult questions, but ones that we're certainly <laughs> seeking a few answers. Uh, the spate of resignations. We know that Tom Persick, uh, KC, has come out and said there needs to be a, a bit of a review. 
Um, where is it at? Because probably it was interesting. It commanded a few headlines for a few days. And you've come in, interim chair, no doubt trying to make sure that the, the business continues the way it should be continuing. So where is it at regarding the board situation? Well, I think there's no doubt that we've been disappointed that a lot of the focus in the media has actually been on board matters rather than the brilliant performances of our team. But I think, um, you know, at our last meeting, the board concluded that an independent review is an appropriate step following a period of instability. Um, I think, you know, board reviews are best practice and a lot of corporate and sporting bodies similar to ours undertake these regularly or as part of a normal course of business. Um, you know, we see uh, some of our governance you know, we don't have any problems with our government generally. I think we, we have no immediate or significant concerns um, relating to it. But I think we also want to make sure that we have a thorough review and to highlight any areas for improvement. And look, there might be some. Um, I think we're also committed to, to understand the circumstances relating to the recent board resignations, um, including that of our former chair, Chuck Aldrin. Um, mm. because I think um, when that came out um, and the reason for his resignation, I think we're all a bit shocked um, and certainly disappointed that um, he was in the, in the position that he was in. Is there another general meeting being uh, forecast uh, to come up because of uh, Terry Waldron's resignation? Is that being uh, basically put in the, in the diary as yet when that general meeting will be handed down or when it will be done? Uh Certainly not at this stage, Peter. I think um, we've, we've, with, with the election of the two new directors on Monday night, um, we've got a board meeting in December where we'll be um, discussing a, a number of matters um, relating to governance, um, our committees. Um, there'll be a discussion around the process to appoint a full-time chair. Um, so at this point in time, we're just getting our house in order. Um, we're mm. not planning um, on any further general meetings at this stage. Uh, Christina Matthews, the CEO, is just taking a bit of a break. Uh, we've had her on the program many times. She's been such a great uh, warrior for WA Cricket as the CEO. Do you know when she'll come back? Yeah, we're, in, we're anticipating she's going to be back in, in early December. Um, and you know, Peter, if you've had her on the show a lot, you'll know how hard she works. Um, well, no question. She's been, <laughs> you know, and look, obviously the timing of any break is not perfect, but... Um, we're really supportive of Chris having a break at this time. Um, we're looking forward to 2023 being it's going to be a busy year with our grand improvement project hopefully going forward. Um, and we'll need her on deck full of uh, all that energy that we know that she has so that we can keep moving forward with our very important project. Yeah. No, she's held the job, I think, for a decade now and an outstanding uh, cricketer in her own right and, of course, uh, an outstanding administrator and she's done some great things for the Wacker. Let's talk about the Test match uh, that's coming up next Wednesday, the first Test match here in Perth for a couple of years. We haven't had one because of the COVID situation. Are you concerned, Avril, that the uptake of uh, tickets at the moment is a bit slow for the Australia-West Indies match? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's a thousand days since we've had a test match, um, and I think the WA fans are well overdue to have some uh, red ball cricket, to be honest. Um, you know, I think all of cricket would be concerned about some of the um, attendances in, in recent uh, weeks. Um, certainly the Australia uh, versus England ODIs had very low crowds on the East Coast. Um, so we're really hopeful that the first test of the summer is one that people want to get down to. It's a, it's a live game. Um, I think the West Indies are, are putting on a good show in Canberra at the moment, so... Yeah, we're, we're hopeful that we'll get a good crowd down. Obviously, being a Wednesday is day one, it does make life a little bit difficult to, to get people through through the gate, but um, I'm certainly looking forward to 
seeing some, some Red Bull cricket um, down at the um, stadium. I remember in the good old days, Avril, when I used to go to the test matches, used to love the test matches, always started Friday. It was always a bumper day Friday. People used to take it off at work, go down to the Wacker for lunch, and it was just a great day. I'd love it to return to a Friday-Tuesday scenario uh, with the first three days, of course, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. But we know it's such a packed schedule cricket these days that they need to sort of uh, work in test matches and, and other forms of cricket. And speaking about other forms of cricket, finally, before I let you go, the Big Bash League is back and it's literally on our doorstep and the Perth Scorchers are gearing up for what promises to be an exciting season. I'm sick of calling off Tube. I'm looking forward to calling the Big Bash actually at Opus Stadium, Optus Stadium this summer. It'll be fantastic. Absolutely. You know, um, I think our first game is uh, the 17th of December. Um, you know, I, 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 can't re- um, I can't believe really how well our boys did last year, having to play most of the games on the East Coast. Um, their achievement in winning is actually um, more exceptional because of that. Um, you know, they played um, one game home and then they packed off for the rest of the tournament. So I think, um, as I said before, WA fans are, are, are calling out for some cricket on, in their home territory. And I'm sure the Orange Army will be down there um, making Perth Optus, you know, a loud, vibrant venue like it, it always has been. Good on you, Avril. Thanks for joining us. Continue the good work, uh, warming the chair, doing a great job as the interim chair at the West Australian Cricket Association. I know cr- cricket's part of your DNA and certainly you're doing a great job, certainly, off the field there. Thanks for your time here on Sports Day today. Much appreciated. Thanks, Peter. Have a good one. Good on you. Avril Fay joining us here on Sports Day, giving us a bit of an insight to where it's all at regarding at board level and also the test match and all the other issues uh, that at the moment are impacting on WA cricket. We'll take a break. On the other side of the break, we'll come back with all the latest in sport. This is Sports Day with Peter Vlahos coming up to a quarter to six. Sports Day with Peter Vlahos for Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. Yes, it is a Thursday night. Gee, I've got a good support team. You know, here at Sports Day, you've got Jimmy Williams, my producer. Lee there is the panel operator who's the best in the business. I tell you what, doesn't this show sound pretty slick? All right, boys, stop uh, sort of patting yourselves on the back. I've done it for you. Uh, Just quickly updating what's happened in sport. I saw this uh, actually last night. Ben Simmons, uh, the Australian NBA star, of course, left Philadelphia and decided to go to Brooklyn, play with the Nets now, and he returned to Philadelphia for an NBA clash, and the supporters went off. They were booing him left, right, and centre. The 76ers, in the end, were victorious over the Nets. Here's Ben, post-match. Simmons with a block on the A. Here come the Nets. Blue birds rain down on Simmons. Yeah, good ball movement. Simmons throws it down. Every opportunity to go, especially an experience like this, uh, to play in Philadelphia. You know, I haven't played here yet, so obviously it's it's one step in the right direction for me um, as a player, and uh, I think it was a good experience. Yeah, it was a good experience. <laughs> they were booing left, right, and centre. Unbelievable. Uh, the other one is Dan Ricardo has spoken on his new role at Red Bull. As we mentioned, he will be the reserve driver next season. This is what he said about his uh, new chapter in his F1 career. I'm not going to be doing every race. You know, I will, I will take a bit of time off as well. But yeah, I'll certainly be trackside for a few 
um, do some sim work and you know, for me to like keep my eye in, but also to try and, if I can, obviously use my experience to help the team, of course. And then I'm sure some off-track activities, um, Red Bull's never shy of that and uh, never shy of a good time. So, oh, there's there's a lot. I mean, in terms of off-track activities, I still laugh at the, the caravan demolition with Max. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, eating the fruit in Singapore, where Max was like throwing up. I mean, there's a lot. And obviously on track, uh, like your first win is, one of the best days of your life. I remember the big hug from Seb, the big hug from Christian, Helmut, like everything after that race I can still feel and, and obviously next year is gonna look a bit different from, you know, back then, but, uh, but I still look forward to the times ahead with Red Bull. Yeah, she's looking for the time ahead with Red Bull. I reckon he's looking for the time ahead that he can come back home and that's not far away. He'll be coming back home and what he tends to do is uh, get in contact, or they get in contact with him, all his old schoolmates, and they head down to Margaret River and do what uh, schoolmates often do. Uh, he forgets about the profile and the career and the profession he's in and just maybe goes down to Margaret River, goes to a couple of wineries, goes to the beach and just chills out with his mates. He does it uh, every time he comes back at the end of an F1 season. So uh, good luck, uh, Daniel, uh, in 2023. Just before I go, having a look at the World Cup, uh, I'm looking forward to calling Uruguay-South Korea. That's the second match tonight. That's at uh, 9 o'clock uh, Perth time. I'll be joined by Richard Garcia, who'll be pretty buoyed after watching Spain win by seven goals to nil last night over Costa Rica. You don't get score lines like that very often, let me tell you, if at all, in World Cups. Uh, kicks off with Switzerland and Cameroon. That's at 6 o'clock, so that's literally in uh, under 10 minutes' time. And then... Tomorrow morning, uh, a couple of big ones uh, to complete the evening's entertainment. Portugal and Ghana at midnight. And we see uh, CR7, Cristiano Ronaldo, for the first time, lead the Portuguese into another World Cup. They take on Ghana. And then the might of Brazil, the five-time World Cup champions, uh, take on Serbia, who for mine... Could be one of the surprise packets, I reckon, at this World Cup. They've got a pretty good squad, Serbia, and I reckon the time is right. They've missed out on a couple of World Cups, but this campaign for Serbia to qualify has been quite impressive. So expect Serbia to cause some damage. That'll be a good match. Brazil and Serbia, that's the late game at 3 o'clock tomorrow morning. As I leave you, here are some of the highlights from last night's encounters where, of course, the biggest upset was with Germany going up 1-0 and being uh, beaten in the last 15 minutes of the contest last night by two superb goals by two substitutes that were put on literally only minutes before they scored. It was Germany 1, Japan 2. A big night last night. I reckon in for a big night tonight. Good night, everyone. Give me an option. And there is the option. Rams it. Edge of the six-yard box goes down by the keeper. And penalty given. Takes one, two deep breaths, steps up, sends the keeper the wrong way. Germany are in front. After 32 minutes, the penalty beautifully taken by Gudegan has put Germany 1-0 up and against the Japanese. We'll see, oh, beautiful chip ball. This should be, oh, great save. The shot came on from Hoffman, the substitute. And keeper saves for a second time. They're peppering. Musiala, left side. Ram sends the cross in and again a third time. And Glaby had two opportunities.
to score and both times a brilliant save by Gonda who's been outstanding the charge on Mitoma again Perry put in the back of the net by me yes it is the equaliser he's been absolutely mobbed it was coming for Japan in the last five minutes Itikura Asano Asano yes what a goal and oh one of the goals of the World Cup already and they've turned the game on its head unbelievable sends it in Gonda stays on his line and in the end it fell with an opportunity there for Sula and the Japanese players go as one two of them or three down on the ground saying we've got cramp and there's a shot and it just goes wide an opportunity there for Germany the ball came down it was hit first time and it just went wide is it gonna blow now it is monumental moment for Japan Tokyo would be going off Japan of course one of the great upsets in beating four-time World Cup winners Germany in a come-from-behind performance for the ages.